Uh, don't be afraid to aim high. You know, I my goal was when I started my rental business, um, the whole point behind it was that I didn't want to put my financial security in the hands of a company. Um, that was the whole reason behind this journey was that um, I didn't trust a company to pay my mortgage every month. So I wanted to build up a rental portfolio that would, that I could live off of if, you know, if things ever went sideways and I lost my job. Um, so that was how it started. And, you know, I, I told myself when I started, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe 25 years is enough time for me to do this. You know, and I, I hope that I can do it in 25 years, you know, and, and then, uh, it was like five years later, I was financially independent. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take that long. Set your goals high. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, um, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Anthony Russell. Um, to give you a quick introduction to Anthony, so he grew up in Northeastern Ohio, and in his own words, didn't do uh, didn't do too well in high school, but did not, uh, go off to culinary school for a bit of time, didn't work out as well, joined the military, um, was combat focused, and uh, did some security work, and uh, worked in, in, served in Iraq. Um, and then at, coming out of that, didn't know what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. Um, and so thought about being a commercial pilot for a period of time, uh, ended up, I think, becoming a police officer for the military. And he can correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, and then got into uh, got into software and software and uh, actually got a degree in software engineering um, and then jumped around for a few things and then ended up uh, going into real estate um, and focusing on taking care of tenants as opposed to just a bottom line. So. With that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Anthony. Thanks. I appreciate so I, it. So I gave kind of the quick brief run through of, uh, I'm sure, a much longer journey. Um, so why don't you take us back a bit in time to um, growing up in Northeast, Northeast Ohio um, and how things got kicked off for you in high school? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I pretty accurate. I, I grew up in Northeast Ohio and uh, I, I wasn't great in school. I was a CD student in, in high school, not a, not a great kid. Um, and uh, yeah, I did do some time at culinary school. I, I was, uh, I was lost. Didn't know which direction to go with my career for quite a while. Um, it, it wasn't until long after the military that I finally figured out what I wanted to do. But uh, yeah, uh, like a lot of kids that don't do stellar in high school, I ended up in the military. Uh, I was fortunate enough then up in the military. Um, they, they squared me away and uh, I, I was a military police officer. Uh, I served in Iraq uh, for 15 months. I served in the army overall for about uh, six and a half years. Um, well, during that diving in and sure. not to interrupt your uh, journey, but no, right. culinary school to serving in Iraq and, and you know, <laughs> shooting gun type of a thing seems like a fairly big jump. So is it just a Hey, culinary school wasn't working out. Military seems like a good option. You went and signed up, or how did you make the mind shift from I'm going to cook something to I'm going to go in the <laughs> in the military? So uh, I, I don't know how it is where you're at or where a lot of the listeners are, but when I was in school, uh, if you did bad in high school, you went to vocational school, and uh, yeah, <laughs> so that was how I ended up in culinary school. Um, I wasn't doing great in high school, and. Um, my uh, guidance counselor 
in their infinite wisdom told me I was not a college bound student, uh, which jokes on them because after I got out of the army, I went and got straight A's in software engineering in college. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's how I ended up in culinary school. And I, I didn't really care for culinary. Um, it, it's fun to know how to cook stuff, but um, it, it really takes a very special personality to be great at that. And that wasn't me. Um, it wouldn't be so, me at uh, all. I would be, yeah. <laughs> I would be to go into culinary school because every, I can chick, I can or cook one, as my kids will attest, we complete a side. We do um, every Sunday, I do the cooking and or when I'm, or, or take give my wife a break off and I'll do all the cooking. And every Sunday after we, we go to, we go to church on Sundays, when we come home, I always stick or, or I cook chicken nuggets out of the package, nothing special. And then once, once every, on the first Sunday of each month, I do do homemade chicken nuggets. So that's the only thing I there you do, go. do a good homemade chicken nugget. Everything else I'm terrible at. So I wouldn't have even made it anywhere near culinary school. So good for you to at least make it farther than I ever would. Uh, it was, it was interesting. You learn a lot there, you know, um, I, 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 I have a little bit of those skills still, not much. My, uh, my wife doesn't let me near the kitchen very frequently, <laughs> but every now and then I like you, I try and give her a break and get in there and uh, get something cooked, but yeah, I, I ended up in the so military. Got, now, there. jumping back into, because I know that was a complete aside. So you served <laughs> in the military right. for a little over six and a half years. Um, now that, you know, you're coming out of the military, trying to decide what you want to do. So kind of what was the thought process or the next steps in figuring that out? Yeah, so as a lot of veterans know, um, coming out of the military, you know, you have a ton of tools and really nothing to use them for. Uh, that, that's how I was. You know, I came out of the military. Um, I was an army sergeant, uh, in the military. So, um, you know, I had a lot of leadership skills. Uh, I, I had worked as a police officer in the military. So I had a lot of, uh, law enforcement skills and I got out and I just, I didn't want to be a police officer. Uh, I'm from Northeast Ohio. So naturally I would have gone to the Cleveland police department probably. And it just, um, I mean, and now things are very tough for police and they weren't even tough uh, the, the environment was, wasn't nearly as tough back then. And I, I knew back then I didn't want to do that. So, and that was um, in Cleveland, just as a side note. Yeah, I would have been in Cleveland. Uh, uh, I, just, so. I went to school in Cleveland uh, when I did law, law school, as well as my MBA degree, I went to, or to Case Western Ohio or Case Western there in Cleveland. Oh, very nice. And that's a I good school. Be a, depending on the part of Cleveland, I would have never wanted to be a police officer as one more, and I know I'm jumping in, complete aside, I'll give you my one experience with the police and or when I was there. So when I was there, me and my wife loved to, when, when we, when we, before we had kids, we'd go watch the, there's a dollar theater. And in order to get to the dollar theater, you had to drive through a, unless you wanted to really go around about, you had to drive through a seedy part of town. And so we go there and we go there about every week. We, that was our kind of our date night for the, the week. And I remember coming back from the dollar theater one time and we pulled up to a stop or stoplight, you know, stoplight. And there's a few cars ahead of us. And the next car ahead of us was an SUV. And we were just sitting there waiting to the stoplight. And all of a sudden we had, we had like five people they were all in their, uh, you know, body armor. They were, they jumped out ahead of us and they started pulling people out of the car in the car ahead of them. And so we're like, and so the girl, it liked her green and we're like, okay, we're going around that. So that was my only experience with the police. But I'm like, okay, I would never want to be a police in Cleveland because it looks scary. So yeah, that's accurate. That's a, it's a tough job. And, um, you know, I, I don't envy uh, the, the guys that are doing that work out there. It's, it's a very, it's a thankless job. It was a thankless job in the army. I can only imagine in the civilian world. So um, yeah. And I, I, I know case uh, case Western. It's a great school. Uh, I went to Cleveland state university. Uh, so just the other side of town, but 
Um, yeah, so now, now that I've hijacked your attorney's advice, <laughs> that's all right. My apologies. But uh, so now that you are coming back from the military, you know, I think you got into software. Pro how did you know, how did you figure out what you're going to do and decide your next step? Yeah, so I got out of the Army and I didn't really have any direction. Uh, I, I had gotten my private pilot's license when I got back from Iraq. Um, it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to. Uh, you know, combat has this really interesting effect on, uh, it has different effects on people, but it had an interesting effect on me. For me, um, you know, we, we had a hard time overseas. We lost a few guys. And I felt like when I got back that I had like a second chance at life and I didn't want to waste it. So um, when you combine that with the mentality that the military gives you of like, I can't be stopped, uh, you just, uh, you just start diving into stuff. So I got my pilot's license when I got back and um, I thought maybe I'd be a commercial pilot, but after I got out of the military, I realized that uh, the salaries just weren't there for commercial pilots anymore, uh, unfortunately. And uh, the there is a significant investment in the schooling. I mean, it's like $100,000 for the schooling, uh, which I would have gotten through my GI Bill, but uh, I just, it wasn't the path for me. So I started looking at other things and um, you know, I had always been interested in computers, but I had really low confidence about my uh, educational or my education because of, you know, the experience I had in high school. Uh, but yeah, once you couple that with the, with that military, you know, drive, uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it. And uh, if I fail, I fail, you know, it is what it is. And I went in there and I crushed it, you know, just straight A's. Most of the time I was in there, a couple classes I slipped on, but for the most part, um, A's the whole way through. And uh, I actually ended up getting hired uh, in my senior year of college, I didn't get to finish. Uh, I got hired by a local software company. And uh, it was at that point that I knew that I was on the right path and that I could start um, investing as well, uh, which is when I started my um, real estate business. Uh, oh, within three months of, or right after I got my first job, I started my real estate business. And that was how I got now, started. One question, you went in and got a, a software engineering degree and then you jumped over to real estate. So with it, you know, and you said you did fairly well in, in uh, you know, in, in the getting the degree. So what made you go from, I want to be coding software and be a software engineer over to real estate? Well, I actually, I'm still doing both. I, I've been doing both for uh, about 11 years. I, I'm a firm believer in, uh, you know, having a, a hobby business as well as your full-time career. Um, you really accelerate your investment path when you do that. You know, it gives you, um, gives you a lot of extra force when you can take your paycheck and roll it into investments. So, uh, and not have to live off your investments. So that, that was actually what we did. Um, I house hacked, uh, for about seven or eight years of that 11 years. We just recently bought, um, a, a house for ourselves. Uh, we've been living in an apartments for almost that whole time, probably yeah, seven or eight years. Uh, just moving from building to building. And uh, yeah, I, I was taking my paycheck and uh, I, I bought my first building and my first building I broke even on for, you know, the first couple of years, uh, just getting started real slow, you know, learning the ropes of being a landlord and living with your tenants. Um, <laughs> and then uh, once I got my feet underneath me and I realized that, you know, I could do this uh, and that I did have the, uh, you know, the wherewithal to, to make it happen. Um, I established kind of a, a pattern that worked really well for that first building. And I just applied it over and over and over again. 
So, so now that, that kind of, see, so you, doing, you know, kind of, I always call, you know, side hustles to me always seem like it's really just a second full-time job because you end up spending typically as much time with the side hustle. Like, <laughs> um, but, you know, so you've been doing that now for how long have you been doing both the software, uh, software engineering as well as uh, the real estate? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, probably about 10 years, 10, 11 years, something like that. Been doing it for quite a while now. Um, and yes, it is, it, it can be a second full-time job. It depends on the season. It depends on, you know, how, how much care you're giving for your units or your tenants. Um, you know, if you're really, uh, getting after it, then, you know, you can spend quite a bit of time each month. It just depends on what you're doing. Uh, we cut back on a lot of the extra stuff we were doing this past year because we were in crisis mode, you know, like many small landlords, we were making sure that we had the income to pay the bills, um, and we put a lot of the like extra stuff that we like to do to our buildings um, on hold just for the, the pandemic. No, and I think that, you know, that's when you, you know, we, when you're in crisis mode or you're saying, hey, we don't have the ability to just simply, you know, we have to delay some things so that we can keep or keep things go, or moving and, and keep things uh, afloat, so to speak, definitely makes sense. Now, one of the other things that I think if and we talked about the also do is um, with the leadership training or leadership for landlords. And I think it's leadershipforlandlords.com if I remember right. So tell That's us a little right. bit about kind of what that is. I think it's a book and also a course if I remember right, but kind of uh, give, uh, give everybody a, a bit of an introduction to that. So, um, yeah, so that, that's great. So I took my military training. I, I, I had all this training for the military and I, I didn't really use it for anything on the outside. Um, and I, I wanted to apply it. And I started thinking about some of the things that I had learned in the military. Uh, and one thing that they, they teach everybody from day one is uh, leadership. Uh, it, it, right from the start, right, the very first thing you learn is to, um, you know, be a follower and what good leadership looks like. Uh, and they build in the principles that I use today. They build that in from day one in basic training, like, um, you know, caring for those around you, uh, being empathetic to, uh, you know, your, to your soldiers um, and making sure that everybody understands the goal so that everybody's on board with it. Uh, a lot of people look at military leadership and they think uh, barking orders, you know, like you do this, you do that. Uh, and it's, it's so far from that. Um, I mean, there is a, it, there is a, an aspect of that in the very beginning and basic training because they're taking, you know, this cookie dough civilian and they're turning them into somebody that can, you know, follow orders and, you know, fight or do their job, whatever their job is. Um, once that training's over, though, uh, it's very much like a job. And, uh, you know, you're dealing with people, you're, you're dealing with your soldiers all day. Um, you know, and if you just bark orders at them, they're not going to respect you and they're not going to want to listen to you. And when you get into combat, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, so instead what we teach our military leaders is that, um, you know, you put your soldiers first, you care for their needs, uh, you know, and if they're messed up, you're messed up. You know, if, uh, if they've got a problem, you've got a problem. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, 1am on a Sunday morning, um, you know, if your soldier needs something, you need to be there to help them. Um, so I took that mentality. And when I got out of the military, I looked at landlording and I, I, you know, I read a lot of landlording books and I looked at the community and I looked at how uh, landlords in the community were, uh, structuring their business and, uh, especially the ones that were, uh, self-property managing, 
which is most small landlords. So I looked at the way they were approaching uh, their business and I was kind of disturbed by the mentality that everybody had. Everybody has this uh, profit first mentality and it's really not that, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you're a landlord and you think that it's profit first, I got news for you. You are in the service business. You are not in the profit first business. Profits do come like any good business. You know, you'll make money as, as time goes on. But um, as landlords, we are um, property leaders. We are servants to the tenants and the tenants should be getting what they're paying for. You know, they're paying for a service. They're paying for housing service. They're paying for repairs in a lot of cases. They're paying for land, landscaping or, um, you know, whatever it might be. You know, that, that's, that's the service you're providing. And if you provide a great service, then uh, in return, you'll get your rent on time. Um, you'll, your build, buildings will be taken care of. Your tenants will tell you when there's problems. Um, it'll be easier to vet tenants. Uh, your tenants will tell you when another tenant is acting out or doing something they shouldn't be doing. Um, having that, that relationship with your tenants uh, really is an excellent way to, to run this type of business, especially if you're a small landlord. And that's what my book, Leadership for Landlords, is about. It's about um, applying what I learned in the military to being a landlord and um, how it's worked out for me, some of the difficult situations that I've, I've dealt with, um, both from hysterical tenants to, uh, you know, ceilings caving in, all types of stuff. No, and I think that, I think that that's a, a great mentality because I think to your point now, there are some good landlords, but a lot of them do look at it as the first thing that is, is to make money off of it, drive as much value if that means the tenants aren't taken care of, if the building's falling apart, if you're making a good income, make as much as you can from the building and do as minimal amount as possible. But I think that to your point, putting the tenants first, you're going to have lower turnover, they're going to stay longer, they're going to be happier, they're going to take better case care of the place because they know that you care and that you're taking care of them. And so absolutely a great mentality to have. Absolutely. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, one question before we get to the last couple of questions I always ask, but um, you know, so now you've kind of got, you're doing the software engineering, engineering, you've got the book out, you're doing the, um, or being a landlord and everything and all of that. Where do you kind of now looking a bit to the future, where do you see the next six to 12 months going for you? So for us, our main goal right now is to make sure that we get out of the COVID crisis uh, without losing any tenants. We haven't lost any tenants yet. Um, all of our tenants have uh, been able to pay. Uh, some of them needed a, a couple day extension here or there, but uh, it looks like we're going to be able to make it all the way through this crisis without losing any tenants. And that is our first priority uh, and making sure that um, any repairs that are, are immediate get done. Uh, once that's done, then we're going to start migrating back into uh, doing um, cosmetic improvements around the properties. And um, I, I had a couple things I wanted to get done this year. Like uh, we needed a, one of our driveways rebuilt. So we're going to have that done. That's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's a necessity. I need to get it done eventually, but doesn't need to be done today. You know? Mm. Um, so I'd like to try and get that done this year. I'm hoping that uh, late in the summer we'll, we'll see this pandemic really pull back and everybody goes back to work and uh, we can, we can with confidence spend a few thousand dollars on a new driveway. <laughs> hey, it always will be nice to have a, a nice, uh, nice driveway for people. No, and I think that, that sure. is that you're saying, Hey, you know, when things come up or first thing is to take care of that, we have the ability to 
keep things afloat, keep things moving forward, and uh, be able to keep taking care of people. But then it seems to get more up back on solid ground. I like the, hey, we're going to go back to fixing things up, taking care of the tenants, making sure everything is done, because that's what got us through in the first place. So that's a, 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 it sounds like a great player, great place to drive forward on. Um, so now with that, as we kind of now taking you through or taking everybody or through your journey as well as a little bit of where you're heading in the future, um, the next thing that, uh, or I always ask two questions of the enemy's podcast. And so we're going to jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was your worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Oh man. Um, so I think, um, you know, we, we all make mistakes, obviously. Let me preface it with that. <laughs> um, and I'll be fully transparent with this. So, uh, you know, don't send me any hate mail if, <laughs> if you don't like this story. But, um, you know, I had a couple tenants. Uh, I, I, I like to relate everything back to a story with the tenants because, you know, it, I think that's that's the best way to learn is, is through my mistake here. So uh, I had a couple tenants that um, they weren't getting along. We'll say that, uh, you know, a lot of our buildings are older buildings, uh, a lot of buildings in Ohio from the early 1900s. Uh, and this is a multi-unit building. It was a four-unit building. And I had two tenants, uh, one upstairs and one downstairs that uh, were not getting along. Now, I have always made it a hard, fast rule from day one to remain professional. Okay. You, when you're when you're communicating with tenants, you don't swear or if you do swear, you, you know, keep it light, you know, don't, don't be, um, don't, don't be out smoking and joking with them. Don't be having beers with your tenants, you know, keep, keep a very professional relationship with your tenants, set up those boundaries and um, it will pay off in dividends uh, when, when the hard times come, uh, when, when there's tense situations, or if you have to go to court or something, you know, they can never point back and to you being unprofessional. Um, one time I let it slip and uh, I, I truly regret it. I, I had a couple tenants that were not getting along and, um, I, I still was fresh out of the military. So I had some, uh, uh I, I had some issues migrating back into the civilian world. And, um, I thought it was a funny light way of approaching the situation, but, uh, the tenant did not appreciate it. Um, it was two female tenants and the one female tenant said, oh, well, she's, you know, playing her TV too loud. And I asked her to turn it down and, you know, she told me to go F myself or whatever, you know, and um, I was trying to be lighthearted. And I said something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, uh, it's it's not that big of a deal. The building's old, you know, why don't you two just like pillow fight it out or something like that. And uh, <laughs> that was not appreciated. Um, the tenants, well, huh? That was the wrong message to send. Uh, <laughs> that was, I, I truly regret saying that um, even, I'm able to look back on it now and I, I want to be transparent with people so they know that, you know, like it's the truth, you know, it's the truth and I do regret it, but um, yeah, don't, but don't do things know, like it's that. Good to learn from those because I think, you know, everybody does slip up and, you know, it's always yeah. hard, you know, making a joke is sometimes it's really funny to you and it's not at all funny to the, especially depending on the frame of mind. Yes. Have taken. So you always have to, and especially when you're in the service industry and you're working with other people, you do have to be careful you know, you want to be, uh, you know, humanized, you want to be approachable, you want to be, you know, fun and that, but at the same time, you also have to be cognizant of how others might uh, take things on or not as intended. So I think that that's absolutely a, certainly a mistake to feel. I'm sure a lot of people made and one to learn from. So second question I always ask is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, don't be afraid to aim high. You know, I, my goal was, 
when I started my rental business, um, the whole point behind it was that I didn't want to put my financial security in the hands of a company. Um, that was the whole reason behind this journey was that um, I didn't trust a company to pay my mortgage every month. So I wanted to build up a rental portfolio that would that I could live off of if you know if things ever went sideways and I lost my job. Um, so that was how it started. And you know, I, I told myself when I started, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe 25 years is enough time for me to do this, you know, and I, I hope that I can do it in 25 years, you know, and, and then uh, it was like five years later, I was financially independent. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take that long. Set your goals high um, because, you know, once you achieve them, then you're like standing there looking around like, okay, what now, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, and I'd, I'd add on to that. I think you should set your goals high because if, even if you don't attain them, you know, people are saying, well, don't set them so high that you can't attain them. Yeah, if you make it so, I'm going to go to the moon in five years, probably as an individual, not attainable unless you're NASA. Um, but, you know, sure. if, but shoot your, or set your goals so that you are stretching, that you are reaching to get them and it does push you to do it. But then also, I think, or continue to set goals along the way so that you don't just one day reach your goal and you're done. But over that course of the five years, you've already continued to set additional goals so now, you know, that the, you're continuing to improve. And I think that that is definitely a great piece of advice. For sure. Well, if people, are, uh, people want to reach out to you, they want to connect, they want to be a tenant, they want to be a, um, or they want to get your book, they want to learn more about your leadership program for tenants, they want to be an employee of yours, they want to be an investor, if you have investors, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out, contact you, or find out more? Sure. So uh, if you want to get in touch with me, the best way right now is just go to leadershipforlandlords.com. Um, you'll see the uh, pre-order for the book on there. Uh, we're supposed to go live in a few days with it. Um, and there's a contact form down at the bottom. You can sign up and reach out to me. There's also all, all the uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram links on there as well. Um, so people are feel, feel free to reach out. I'm always looking for um, interesting ways to partner or do new investment ideas or things like that for sure. All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, contact you, find out more. And uh, maybe one day, uh, one of the listeners will be one of your tenants. So well, with that, um, you know, appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Apply to be on the show. We'd always love to have you. Two more things to the listener. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about all of our awesome episodes. Um, last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, feel free to reach out to us. Just go to strategymeeting.com, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Anthony, for coming on. It's been thank fun. You. It's been a pleasure. Wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you.